0: Chapter 22, verse 1. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables, and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son. And sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready, come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants, and entreated them spitefully, and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies, and destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways, and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, He saw that a man which had not on a wedding garment, and he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. This is a pretty broad parable and it has several meanings but uh, what i will do is just pick out a few verses and give you my thoughts verse 2 the marriage here is for the son now the son obviously is jesus verse 3 the king sends his servants out to invite those to the wedding and i would say that is a picture of the apostles 4 5 and 6 those that have been invited ie the children of Israel for the most part make excuses not to come John chapter 1 he came unto his own but his own received him not verse 6 the servants are treated shamefully and then put to death 7 the king is furious and he sends forth his armies and they destroy the murderers and burn up their city. The armies there, I believe, are a reference to the Romans, and the city here is a reference to Jerusalem, I believe. I also believe that Matthew 22 has a twofold application, like most of the Bible. Here, this is 70 AD. God's judgment is falling hard. 70 AD, that's 40 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The apostles, Have been preaching everywhere the entire world has heard the gospel by 70 a.d and yet judgment now falls on the jews those that have refused to believe the gospel eight and nine the wedding is ready but they which have been invited are not worthy because they won't come nine go into the highways and call others in i.e the gentiles ten servants go out and gather as many as they can both bad and good Christ came to save sinners not the righteous but 11 and 12 are fascinating because in verse 11 it says and when the king came in to see the guests he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment a wedding garment in this context anyway is a picture of Christ's imputed righteousness which he bestows upon a repentant sinner. Here you find a self righteous character having the audacity to try to get to heaven on his or her own good works. And they won't put on the righteousness of Christ, they are putting on their own righteousness, like the scribes and the Pharisees. They think their righteousness is going to be sufficient. And the king's reaction is absolutely furious. 12. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment and he was speechless every mouth will be stopped according to the book of romans when man stands in the presence of god he will be speechless there's no way to possibly perceive really how the judgment is going to work there are references in the old and new testament about the great white throne judgment but how we perceive it no doubt in my mind, falls a long way short to how it is actually going to take place. This man is standing in the presence of the king, and he is speechless. Every mouth will be stopped. Thirteen, then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. First death there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth luke 16 is the most sobering part of the new testament of what happens to an unsaved man or woman at the first death luke 16 is not a parable luke 16 is a literal account of a saved man and an unsaved man both dying both going into the ground pre the crucifixion of the lord jesus christ and what happens to two people that have both died around the same time bind him hand and foot and cast him into outer darkness first death the weeping and wailing of course is remorse shame and absolute anguish and by fourteen for many are called but few are chosen here the context is the marriage supper many were called But few were chosen. God's sovereignty and man's free will. And for me, once again, the only way to try and harmonize the two is through middle knowledge. 15 Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. Verse 1 The Lord starts speaking in parables, and verse 15 again affirms as to why he would do that because the pharisees once again won't bend the knee 16 and they sent out unto him their disciples with the herodians saying master we know that thou art true and teachest the way of god in truth neither carest thou for any man for thou regardest not the person of men 100 percent correct in john chapter 11 Caiaphas spoke the word of God via the Holy Spirit he prophesied via the Holy Spirit but he wasn't aware of that here these men who are working alongside the Herodians the brains in first century jury are speaking the truth but again they are trying to trick the Lord they are trying to use flattering words to trick the Lord 17. Tell us therefore what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? He's already told Peter, back in the previous chapters, to give tribute to whom tribute is due. And here he's going to be asked publicly whether or not tribute should be given to Caesar. Now Caesar was a paedophile Roman governor emperor of the world that's how he offered himself he was despised not only among the jews but most of the world that lived under his occupation and here they think they are going to catch the lord out through their very crafty and entangling words from 15 but look at 18 but jesus perceived their wickedness and said why tempt ye me ye hypocrites he is omniscient to be omniscient, once again, is one of the three attributes of deity. Omniscient is to know the thoughts of men. Omnipresent means you are everywhere at once. And omnipotent means you are all powerful. Here the Lord knows their thoughts. Why do you tempt me, you hypocrites? This statement, in and of itself, should have sent shock waves back to these. Herodians, these disciples, these brains, these men should have realized that the Lord wasn't just a simple carpenter, but that he was God in the flesh. But man's heart is desperately wicked. Much like the account which I've already given from John 18, when they come to arrest the Lord, and Peter slices the ear off the high priest's servant, and the Lord heals that man. And yet, the man doesn't repent and believe on the Lord. Man's depravity is hugely problematic. Man's pre salvation status is dreadful. Yes, he knows the difference between right and wrong. Yes, he can have some understanding of the things of God compared to the things of the world. But for the most part, he is in darkness. He is in darkness now saying that i will say this that i do not believe in total depravity or total inability as the calvinists have relabeled it but i do believe in the depravity of the pre-saved man or woman that's why the bible says you are enemies of god through your wicked works and that's the new testament not the old testament 19 show me the tribute money and they brought unto him a penny and he saith unto them whose is this image and superscription they say unto him Caesar's then saith he unto them render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God's when they had heard these words they marvelled and left him and went their way how could they oppose that their own leaders were doing that Their own leaders were paying tax to Caesar and also honouring God through the temple upkeep. Once again the Lord outwits the so-called brains, the so-called elite. 23. The same day came to him the Sadducees, which say that there is no resurrection, and asked him, saying, Master, Moses said, If a man die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother now there were with us seven brethren and the first when he had married a wife deceased and having no issue left his wife unto his brother likewise the second also and the third unto the seventh and last of all the woman died also therefore in the resurrection whose wife shall she be of the seven for they all had her Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry, nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have ye not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Those that die in the Lord become like spirits in heaven. They are a. sexless, and b. they do not procreate, because they are sexless, obviously. There is no sexual intercourse in heaven. So the question was bogus. The question was also flawed. But obviously behind the question, there was the level of contempt once again trying to trip the lord up trying to deceive him and he says you haven't read don't you understand god is the god of the living not of the dead but when the pharisees had heard that he had put the sadducees to silence they were gathered together the enemies of the lord are now going to work hand in hand to try and bring him down quote There's your gathering together of the enemies of the Lord. Pilate and Herod were at enmity with one another for many years, and yet the Lord brought these two enemies together. The reason to try and defeat the Son of God. Complete foolishness, but uh, man in his best state is altogether vanity. 35. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question Tempting him, and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. 37 and 38 are impossible to keep. But Jesus kept it and fulfilled it on our behalf. 41. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, The son of David. He saith unto them, How then doth David in spirit call him Lord? Saying, THE LORD SAID UNTO MY LORD, SIT THOU ON MY RIGHT HAND, TILL I MAKE THINE ENEMIES THY footstool. IF DAVID THEN CALLED HIM LORD, HOW IS HE HIS SON? AND NO MAN WAS ABLE TO ANSWER HIM A WORD, NEITHER DURST ANY MAN FROM THAT DAY FORTH ASK HIM ANY MORE QUESTIONS. HE HAS SILENCED THE INTERROGATORS ONCE AGAIN. AND THIS IS A GREAT EXAMPLE OF THE LORD TURNING THE TABLES on his interrogators every so often he would answer a question with a question but this question went right over their heads because David is speaking through the Holy Spirit from verse 43 which means this is under divine inspiration and here David as the king wouldn't call his son Lord his son would call him Lord but David wouldn't call his son Lord because David was the king and from 44 the Lord said unto my Lord two terms for Lord the first term for Lord is uppercase Jehovah God or Yahweh the one true God said unto my Lord and that word is Adon and Adon is used many times throughout the Bible and it can refer to Jehovah God so you've got two Jehovah Gods there two Jehovah Gods or two Adonais there and i would say that the father said unto the son sit thou on my right hand till i make thine enemies thy footstool and if you read psalm 110 you see the father and the son clearly displayed there so by verse 45 if david then called him lord how is he his son again david wouldn't call his own son whether it was Absalom or any of his other sons lord he just wouldn't do it but god the son would call his father Lord and God the father would call his son Lord and by 46 this has gone completely over their heads